Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and the Montana Pika recording remotely with me is Ellen. Pika, Pika, Pika. No, Ellen, not that kind of, no, it's not Pikachu. Do you think that Pikachu is based on the Pika? I mean, they're cute like a Pikachu, so maybe? They both have that like mousy kind of rabbity look, although the Pika does not have long ears. No. But I think I heard that the Pikachu was based on a squirrel. I mean, the Pika kind of looks like a squirrel, so. Yeah, maybe they're all like a similar family. Anyway, not really the point. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just fly into the Phoenix flashback. Last week, we covered the second half of Chapter 34, the Department of Mysteries and the corresponding film scenes. Spoiler alert. The Department of Mysteries is hella mysterious. The serious lack of serious in the Department of Mysteries has Harry seriously wondering if maybe he should not have taken his vision so seriously. Hermione has a really hard time believing in magic for a witch. Ron is apparently new to being around Harry considering how shocked he was by his best friend's name being on an orb. Luna is in her conspiracy theory glory. Ginny and Neville probably wish they'd worn their brown robes when the murder munchers show up. And because Katie's the one writing this flashback? Balls. (laughs) During episode 181, Metal Detector, our Potter pondering was, what are your thoughts on the movie not really pre-introducing the archway and the veil? Hi, Ellen. Hi, Katie. This is Ashley, and I got a Potter pondering. Uh Uh-huh. What are my thoughts about the movie not including the prequel information about the veil? Not much. I got plenty to say about the veil. This whole Ministry of Magic section, I got plenty to say about it. But lucky for y'all, it don't have nothing to do with this part. It really don't. The movie didn't really hurt me too much by not including the Veil prequel because when I initially read it, I didn't know what the fuck that Veil was in the completion of the book or after the completion of the entire series. I had no idea what the fuck that was. I think the internet told me <laughs> later on as an adult, I had no clue. But I'm going I'm to keep it short. I, that's all I'm going to say because I got a whole lot to say, but I'm going to save it for when y'all talk about it because baby... I do have a bone to pick with the veil, but it ain't got shit to do with the prequel. Good morning, guys. Please excuse how I might sound because it is very early in the morning here at the moment and it is freezing. (laughs) This is my pot of pondering. My thoughts on the movie not really pre-introducing the veil and the archway. Uh, Honestly, look, what can we really say at this point on what the movie has not shown and not done? I mean... It was fine the way the movie did it, but it would have been better if it was done the way it was in the book. We could have seen Harry and Neville and Luna and all be entranced by that archway. But no, we just got it smack in the middle of the battle. (sighs) What are these producers thinking? 
Please direct us thinking. Hi, this is Jessica calling in my Potter Pondering for this week about the veil archway of death. I don't mind so much that they cut the first scene of them seeing the archway. It would have been interesting to see how everyone else besides Harry like reacted to it as it lured them all closer. But I'm not mad about it. They just still give Harry that quick moment of being mesmerized after they landed in like the cathedral room before the Death Eaters flew in. But what I am concerned about is why it exists in the first place. Why does a government building have a hidden cathedral with a creepy archway of death on a platform in the middle, literally called the Death Chamber? And I did some quick research on it, and it kills anyone who passes through it. And the longer you stare and listen to the whispering, the more entranced you become and it lures you to your death. It's literally like a death siren archway thing. What's the point of it? Is that how they used to execute people? Is it for entertainment? I just have so many questions. Yeah, sorry to get off topic, but long ramble short, I didn't mind the change. So, yeah. Bye! Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, what does Harry manage to instruct Hermione to do while he's discussing the prophecy with the Death Eaters? He's trying to not move his mouth as much as possible as he whispers, Smash the shells! Smash shells! Smash shells! Smash shells! Is he Gollum now? Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. Congratulations goes to Kalista Whitewolf. Apparently, she is, in fact, starting a new streak. This is her second week in a row. Is she going to get it again? We shall see. For now, let's dive into the first part of Chapter 35, Beyond the Veil, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 35, Beyond the Veil, Part 1 A dozen black shapes are suddenly emerging from thin air all around them, blocking them in, wands pointed at their hearts. Malfoy repeats his request that Harry hand him the orb. Harry's insides plummet as he realizes they are surrounded and outnumbered two to one. He asks where Sirius is, and several Death Eaters laugh. A harsh female voice says, The Dark Lord always knows. And Malfoy replies, Always. Then again asks for the orb, this time calling it a prophecy. Harry again says that he wants to know where Sirius is, and the same female voice mocks him. The Death Eaters move in closer, standing feet away from the students. Harry tells them he knows they have him, trying to ignore the dread he's been fighting since entering the 97th row. This time, the woman uses a mock baby voice to disparage him for believing what he had dreamed. Harry feels Ron move beside him and tells him not to do anything yet. The woman hears him and laughs that he's giving instructions to Ron as if he thinks of fighting them. Lucius Malfoy cautions her to not underestimate Harry's weakness for heroics, calling her Bellatrix and adding that the Dark Lord understands him. He then again demands that Harry give him the prophecy. Harry continues to insist that they have Sirius, though he feels very panicked. His chest is constricting as breathing becomes difficult. 
The Death Eaters laugh again, and Malfoy tells Harry that it's time he learns the difference between life and dreams, and threatens to use wands if Harry doesn't hand over the prophecy. Harry calls his bluff, telling him to get on with it, raising his own wand and noticing that all of his group's wands go up at the same time. The knot in his stomach tightens as he considers that he may have led his friends to their deaths for no reason, since Sirius may never have been there. However, the Death Eaters do not attack. Malfoy tells him if he hands it over, nobody needs to get hurt. Harry laughs at this, asking if he'd let them go home if he does. As he does, Bellatrix shrieks Accio prophecy, but Harry is able to shout Protego right as she does, and though the glass sphere slips to the tips of his fingers, he manages to hold on to it. Bellatrix comments on how the little bitty baby Potter knows how to play, and makes to attack him more seriously when Malfoy cuts her off, reminding her he said no because they can't smash the prophecy. But then he cuts himself off as well. Harry picks up on this and realizes the Death Eaters are after the prophecy. He doesn't want it, he just wants to get them all out alive so he and his friends don't pay for his stupidity. Bellatrix steps forward, pulling off her hood, and Harry sees that while Azkaban had made her face gaunt and skull-like, it is now alive with a feverish, fanatical glow. She asks if they need more persuasion and tells the Death Eaters beside her to take the smallest one so they can torture her in front of Harry. The friends close in around Ginny and Harry steps directly in front of her, holding the prophecy to his chest. He tells Bellatrix that she will have to smash the prophecy to attack any of them and points out that her boss probably won't be too pleased with that. Bellatrix freezes, staring at him. Harry asks them what sort of prophecy they're talking about anyway, since he doesn't know what to do other than keep them talking. He hopes his friends have a plan for escape because so far he has nothing. Bellatrix repeats his question and says that he must be joking. Harry denies this while looking for an escape and asks why Voldemort wants it, causing the Death Eaters to hiss at the sound of his name. Bellatrix asks that he dare use his name, and Harry says he has no problem saying Voldemort, but gets cut off by Bellatrix shrieking at him to shut his mouth, calling him a half-blood. Harry retorts that Voldemort is also a half-blood, causing Hermione to moan. He continues saying Voldemort again and points out that his dad was a muggle, wondering if he's been lying to them all this time. Bellatrix tries to stupefy Harry, but she's blocked by Malfoy, which causes her spell to hit a shelf and break several glass orbs. Two ghostly figures unfurl themselves from the broken glass on the floor and begin to speak, competing with each other and Malfoy and Bellatrix, so Harry can only hear fragments of what they are saying. Malfoy yells at Bellatrix not to attack because they need the prophecy. Bellatrix shrieks incoherently about the filthy half-blood in response. The figures melt into the air, leaving nothing behind but an idea in Harry's head. Harry again asks about the prophecy, playing for time. He also moves his foot slowly sideways, feeling for someone else's. Malfoy tells him to not play games, and Harry insists that he isn't. His foot finds Hermione's, causing her to gasp, then whisper what to him. 
Malfoy then says that the orb can tell him the reason he has the scar, distracting him so that he almost forgets about his plan. Hermione asks what again? Malfoy seems maliciously delighted by Harry's ignorance, and while the Death Eaters laugh, Harry tells Hermione to smash shelves, trying to move his lips as little as possible. Malfoy taunts Harry, asking if Dumbledore never told him, and says that the Dark Lord had wondered why Harry didn't come to the Department of Mysteries sooner, as soon as he had shown Harry the department in his dreams. Harry again whispers to Hermione, instructing her when he says now. Malfoy continues speaking, saying the Dark Lord thought Harry would have wanted to hear the exact wording of the prophecy. Harry feels Hermione passing his instructions along behind him and continues to distract Malfoy by asking why Voldemort had wanted him to come get the prophecy. Still seemingly delighted by his ignorance, Malfoy tells him that only the people the prophecies are about are permitted to retrieve them from the Department of Mysteries something Voldemort discovered when he tried to use others to steal it for him. Harry wonders why Voldemort would want to steal a prophecy about Harry, and Malfoy informs him that it's about both of them, asking if Harry hadn't wondered why Voldemort targeted him as a baby. Harry stares at Malfoy and wonders if the prophecy is the reason his parents had died, and he now has a scar. He restates the revelation that someone had made a prophecy about him and Voldemort, and that Voldemort made Harry come and get it for him, then asks why he couldn't come get it himself. Bellatrix cackles and repeats, get it himself? Walk into the ministry and reveal himself when they are ignoring his return and chasing after Sirius? Harry then says that Voldemort has them doing his dirty work for him, like how he tried to get Sturgis to steal it, and bowed. Malfoy congratulates Harry on connecting the dots, saying the Dark Lord knows he's not unintelligent. But Harry cuts him off shouting, NOW! And his friends all yell reducto together, spells flying in every direction, hitting shelves and smashing prophecies, causing debris to fall all around them. Harry yells run as shelves sway and glass spheres fall from above. He grabs Hermione and drags her forward, holding an arm up to protect his head. The movie section starts out as the masked Death Eater makes his way up the aisle and Harry demands to know where Sirius is. A familiar voice responds, saying that he should really learn to tell the difference between dreams and pulling his wand from his cane, Lucius Malfoy unmasks himself as he says... Reality. He tells them that Harry only saw what the Dark Lord wanted him to see, then demands he hand him the prophecy. Harry informs Lucius that he will break it if he does anything to them, and a female voice cackles from the shadows. Bellatrix Lestrange approaches from behind Lucius, commenting on how itty-bitty Baby Potter knows how to play. Neville is appalled to see her there, but when she identifies him and asks how his mom and dad are, he readies his wand and insists that they're better now that they are about to be avenged. Harry puts an arm out to stop Neville as Bellatrix raises her own wand, and Lucius lifts both hands and tells everyone to just calm down. He insists that all they want is the prophecy, and Harry asks why Voldemort needed him to get it. Bellatrix is shocked to hear Harry speak his name, yelling at him for being a filthy half-blood. 
as Lucius continues to try to keep everyone calm and explains that the prophecies can only be retrieved by those they are made about. As he tells Harry that is lucky for him, the others are all looking around in fear because more masked Death Eaters are appearing all around them. Lucius continues speaking to Harry, asking if he hadn't always wondered about the reason for the connection between him and the Dark Lord, why he couldn't kill him when he was a baby, and if he wants to know the secret of his scar. Harry looks at Lucius, transfixed, as he explains that all the answers are there, in his hand, and all he has to do is give it to him. Then he can show him everything. Harry looks down at the glass orb in his palm as his friends form a circle facing outward towards the surrounding Death Eaters. He tells Lucius that he's waited 14 years and can wait a little bit longer, then yells, NOW! The kids all begin shouting, STUPEFY! as they point their wands at the Death Eaters and then make a run for it. So, kind of similar. A little bit, yeah. Like, it really does line up well. Mm-hmm. Shockingly. I'm sure everyone is surprised that there's more details in the book. What? I feel like everyone's got to be tired of us saying that by now. Like, no shit, Ellen. <laughs> right. No shit, Sherlock. Like, but you're telling me that the books are longer than the movies? What? You're saying there's more in the books and the written word? I'm also saying that's not how it happened in the books. What? But that aside... There are quite a few similarities here. So they did well with this, I think. Yes, this little, like, four-minute piece of film was very well done. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wish we could say that about the whole thing. Right. <laughs> good job on those four minutes, though, guys. Real yeah, good job. Way to go. <laughs> it does, however, start off immediately with a difference. Because... As, as it usually does, yeah. Technically, the last chapter ended with this difference, so it's just picking it up from there, the last chapter of the movie, you could say, mm -hmm. because they had Lucius walking up the aisle, and we didn't really know it was Lucius then. Yeah. It was just some masked dude walking towards them. We knew it was Lucius, but We still. knew it was Lucius, but yeah, it was... And then in the know. book, they had him just, like, immediately speak in that drawling voice. And they don't actually say that it's Lucius. But when they describe that drawling voice, you're like, well, yeah, like, obviously, that's Lucius. He has yes. the market on the drawling voice. Exactly. It's kind of his thing. Snape billows, Lucius draws. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's what they do. Don't forget Snape also flounces, though. There is that as well, yes. And Flouncy then Snape. Lucius also douches. <laughs> <laughs> Douches Malfoy. <laughs> oh, I'm so upset we didn't think of that before. We have it now, though. <laughs> Son of a bitch. How did douches it take us that Malfoy. long to come up with Douches Malfoy? Because now I'm calling him that for the rest of the episode. Yeah. This is just the thing now. I have to retype my notes. Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. That was really uh, slow on the uptake for us. That really it took was. us four years. You know? For us, especially, that's ooh man. Well, we've got it now. That's we the do. Important it's there. Part. It happened. It's a thing. <laughs> but anyway, in the movie, it's kind of similar, except he's like, bam, there. We know who it is from a clear clue. And in the movie, he like approaches them slowly. Mm-hmm. And then this book chapter starts off with like 
all of the other Death Eaters just appearing in from thin air because apparently you can apparate into the Department of Mysteries or I don't know, maybe they were just there the whole time and invisible. It's not exactly clear. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's their report. He maybe or I don't know. It doesn't make any sense for people to be able to apparate directly into the ministry like they should have better security than the school. Not even apparating into the ministry, but into that specific spot. The only thing I can think is that they were there first and then like disillusioned or something. So they were appearing by removing the charm, but it would be more effective that they stayed disillusioned then and had more of a sneak attack. You would think. But no, they're just like, bam, dozens of black shapes appearing surrounding them. And they all got their wands out and are just holding them at wand point. And Harry's just like, fuck me. Yeah. But his very first question is, we're serious. Where's my dog father? Like, bro. (laughs) I mean. And that's actually kind of how the murder munchers react, too. They're like, bro, (laughs) you got this wrong. Like, dude. And then there's this harsh female voice is how it's described. And because there's a plethora of female murder munchers, we know exactly who this is. Exactly. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's not exactly, you know gender equality all up in the death eaters no and this is not one of the mysteries within the department of mystery no when the harsh female voice says the dark lord always knows we're like oh bellatrix is here cool or not really cool because she's fucking scary well yeah yeah but at least we have a name to go with somebody who's there you know sure and then Ducius malfoy agrees that he always knows so this just implies that Voldemort had been like, no, dude, you can we can totally lure him there. This is gonna work just fine. You'll get him. Yeah. Like, hey, he always falls for this. He has to meddle. It's a thing. We got this. And he's just like, Yeah, he was right. We're here. And he tells Harry again, which is how we ended the last chapter, hand over the orb. But this time he refers to it as a prophecy. And this is the first time we hear that term prophecy, whereas they've been saying it all throughout the movie at this point. Yeah. I think that was the opening line in the movie. This is about a prophecy. Right. <laughs> like, it was like no mystery there whatsoever. No. But in the book, this is the very first time we hear that what Harry has in his hand is some kind of prophecy. Mm-hmm. The movie's already actually played part of the prophecy for us. Yeah, we've heard it. I mean, part of it, at least. <sighs> for the love of God. So, similar, but... Honestly. Not the same. Yep. Kind of similar. Because we come back after Harry has just discovered no dog father being tortured and his name on a talking ball. Ding. Ding. Yeah. Technical ding. Sure. <laughs> A masked figure approaches the group, and Harry, prior to asking who the fuck this person is, asks where Sirius is, because, you know, priorities. This is also a ding, though. It is. It is the first question out of his mouth in the book. It is. It's still stupid, though, so there's that. Well, he's not in Ravenclaw. No. One-track mind, Potter. That's all he's got going for him. But, as we were saying before about, we don't technically know who this is, but... A drawling, douchebaggy voice basically tells him that you're stupid, kid, and there was no dog father. You fell for it. You fell for it. I feel like you should have figured that out already. And none of us are shocked that you're not in Ravenclaw. It wasn't the best plan, admittedly, but I mean, guy. No, but this is a very clear descriptor as to why Harry is Gryffindor. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Just head first, running right in. Absolutely. Thinking ahead. Sure. Yeah. So he reveals that it's a trick and then reveals himself to be dun 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 Nazi von Douchebag the first, aka Douches Malfoy, as he is now going to be called. Yep. What? I mean, we never would have guessed. I cannot believe that twist happened here. <laughs> that was an incredible moment in film. Oh what? my gosh, you really pulled the wool over my eyes. <laughs> And while we're all trying to come to terms with this loop that has been thrown to us, he calls Harry out for being stupid, like you do, you know, and tells him to give him the prophecy. Again, we're calling it a prophecy. However, that's what it is. at this point in sure. the book, that's what he calls it. So yay, it's back in line. <laughs> so it matches finally. Yes, exactly. In the book, Harry is just dead set figuring out where his dog father is. So like you said, one track mind. Yeah. He's just like, I want to know where Sirius is. That's all he's got. Sirius isn't here. Okay, but where's Sirius, though? If he's not here, then where is he? I know you have him. I know you have him. (laughs) And this just prompts Bellatrix to mock him some more. It actually leads to her mocking him in this, like, awful baby voice. Mm -hmm. And she kind of does that in the movie, too, which we'll talk about. But yeah, it's not... No, it was great. Who am I kidding? It was great. But it's, it's not quite what I was expecting, but it was great. <laughs> While she's doing this, Ron moves up next to Harry. Harry tells Ron, don't do anything yet. Which, of course, Bellatrix hears. Although, funnily enough, we know it's Bellatrix. Harry still hasn't figured this out yet. This is still just a woman. Because yeah. of all of the murder munchers on all of those wanted posters... And, you know, Harry's lack of Ravenclaw, he has not been able to put two and two together that right. this is Bellatrix Lestrange. And she is just referred to as the woman, a harsh female voice. like Only female that we've seen. Yes. Come but on. She thinks this is hilarious that Harry is giving instructions to Ron as if they're going to fight them. Like these little kids. These yeah. bitty, bitty baby. It's going to fight all of us. Murder munchers. (laughs) Which, to be fair, I can kind of see both angles on that. Because on one hand, it's like, yeah, oh my god, you tiny little children are going to fight us. But then also at the same time, it's Harry and Ron being like, bitch, you're new to this. Have you never met us? You clearly haven't met us. (laughs) Like, (laughs) this is your first day on the job. We get it. But... uh, We love to get in the metal of things. We're four years deep on this bullshit. Five years deep, really. Well, yeah, five years deep. Because this Shit, one's Harry almost is over. Fifteen, yeah, years deep on this. So I mean, this isn't new. And if we're going by track records, it doesn't end well for you. So just we'll saying. get there too. <laughs> we will. Douches is not new. No. And he's just like, yeah, don't underestimate Potter's weakness for heroics. Yeah. He gave him props. Yeah, like you've been in the band for a while. This kid gets into everything. Mm-hmm. You might be shocked that he's considering fighting us. I was expecting that, but we don't want it to come to a fight. Right? This little fuck lost me my house elf, man. Like, Right? Kids I got a beef to settle with him. Trust me. But it's not now. Yeah. It's also at this point that he just flat out calls the woman Bellatrix. So we have now been vindicated in identifying who this is. Mm-hmm. And 
it still doesn't fully click for Harry, but that's aside the point. It is Harry. He's still like, it is Harry. Serious, serious, serious. He is one tracked mind yeah. on his dog father. <laughs> and then Ducious is just kind of one tracked minded on the prophecy because he again is just like, give it to me. Give it to me now. I want it. Give me, 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 give me. Mine, 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 mine. Yeah. That's basically him and Harry, but like one of them saying serious and the other saying prophecy. Right, like, exactly. That over is and over again. What's happening right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, similar in the movie, though streamlined. What? What? Ducious tells him to give them the prophecy, and Harry's like, "The fuck, I will." <laughs> like, matter of fact, I'm gonna smash this bitch to bits if you come anywhere near us. Like, I give zero fucks, sir. And at this, we hear the familiar cackle of the batshit crazy Bellatrix Lestrange. And the movie doesn't hold us in suspense at all. Like, she comes up out of the shadows. It's not. And at this point, it's just the two of them. Yeah. Whereas in the book, they're surrounded by, like, 12 of them. Yeah, exactly. It's just Lucius and Bellatrix standing in the dark, you know. Not that that's really a duo you want to encounter. Oh, definitely not, for sure. Don't want to meet them in a dark alley or a prophecy aisle. That's some batshit crazy douchebaggery right there. You don't want it. You just don't. So she comes out of the shadows and cackling and taunting Harry like only she can, really. You know? With a bit of a baby voice and stuff. I love it. I love the way she did it. He knows how to play. Yeah. Itty bitty Bitty baby. baby. Porter. I love it. I'm sorry. I love. I mean, there's no topping Helena Bonham Carter. There's just not. No. I mean. She is fantastic. Well, I mean, <laughs> get in line, but. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I'm just, I wouldn't mind Y'all couldn't her see her either, face, so but I'm, I'm sure saying. you felt the exact same thing that it just reflected. So <laughs> you're with us. I have a feeling. <laughs> if you're with us, you're with us. And you yeah. know what just happened. If you know, you know. Yep. <laughs> anyway, Anywho. moving on. <laughs> I got to go take a cold shower. Neville doesn't really feel the same as we do. He names her. He knows right who she is. That's not even a question. And she names him right back and asks how mom and dad are doing. And he takes a big old swig of badass juice and tells her they're cool because I'm about to fuck you up. So how about that, bitch? I do love that moment. It's not how it happened in the book, but I do love that moment. It's not, but it gave Neville a little badass moment. He deserves it too. I love it. Better now they're about to be avenged. Like, yes. Fucking yeah, Neville. You Bam. love it. One drop. Exactly. Ugh. Except don't drop it. You need it. But Yeah, definitely. But Harry and Lucius both raise their arms to hold off their cohorts from throwing down. Because, like, everybody just be cool. Like, just chill be cool. the fuck Just out. be cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bitch, be cool. Tell that fucking bitch to chill. Lucius tries to get everyone to just chill the fuck out and calm the fuck down, saying that all they want is the prophecy and they'll fuck off. That's it. It's all they want. But Harry segues this into asking why Voldemort needed him to get it. Yeah, so now he's been derailed from his one track to Dogfather because he has something new to meddle into. Yeah, now he's like, wait a minute. Hold on. This is a thing? Wait, you seem very interested in this, and now I must know. Mm-hmm. Questions. 
And again, like I said, that's not how it happened in the book. No. We didn't get the badass Neville moment here. No. Yeah. We'll get something a little bit later. Not the same, but still, it's similar. Sure. What we do get is Harry's insistence that they do have Sirius. Yeah, we totally have him. The Sirius train has not yet been derailed. He's positive they have them, though he also is kind of panicking because he's just like, what if they don't have him and I brought everyone here for nothing? Right. I think now he's just grasping At to Dawson. not look stupid. That's yeah, all he's like, oh, is. God. Oh, God. I'm so dumb. This was a mistake. Mis- mistake. <laughs> mistake. <laughs> and I'm sure that this feeling is not helped in any way, shape or form when the murder munchers laugh at him again. Mm-hmm. And Duchess drops a, it's time that you learn the difference between life and dreams. Now, give me the prophecy or we're going to use our wands on you. Yeah, sure. I'm just going to go ahead and hand it over now. Why not? Right? Wrong. <laughs> Harry calls his bluff. He's completely like, go for it. Holds his wand up. Everyone else with him holds their wand up. They are at the ready. And he's just like, fuck me. I'm going to get all my friends killed because I'm an idiot. Sirius <laughs> is not even here, apparently. And I led them to their deaths. However, if Sirius had been there, considering that he was being tortured by Voldy, mm-hmm. that means Voldy would be there too. And they're all going to die anyway. Right? Like this was always leading them to their deaths. Like this was <laughs> not a, we're going to show up and Voldemort's going to be there torturing my dog father. And we're going to rescue him and get away without there being any casualties at all. Yeah. Like, he never once thought this plan through. Well, no, because remember, he was doing, like, his whole, like, we just got to get there. Once we get there, it'll be fine. The plan is to be spontaneous. Exactly. (laughs) That's all it was, man. On the plus side, the murder munchers don't attack him when he basically taunts them to. Yeah. They all got their wands raised, and they're all like, okay, go for it. Get it over with. And they just stand there and do nothing. Especially because Duchess is just like, no, no, no. If you hand it over, nobody has to get hurt. And we are kind of getting to a ding here with it. Mm -hmm. The movie said that as well. But what we didn't get out of the movie is Harry just laughing and being like, yeah, you're going to just let us all go home if I give you this. Right. Like we know what Lucius is saying. Yeah. But Harry doesn't point that out in the movie, at least. No, he doesn't. Sassy Harry definitely makes more of an appearance in the book yeah. than he does in the movie. But we get that taste of it when he's just like, nah, I'll smash it if you come near us. Mm-hmm. So he does start to play a little bit earlier in the movie, but that's more because of the streamlining, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And Bellatrix, as always, has shown up to chew gum or just be fucking crazy. And she's all out of gum. So she just jumps straight to, despite Duchess being like, nobody do anything, just Give me the prophecy and no one has to get hurt. Bellatrix is just like, Akio prophecy. You can't blame her, right? I guess not, but it is totally her MO. Yeah. I'm not surprised. She probably can take some blame, but I'm not surprised. But like, how much worse would it have been had she not tried it and it would have worked if she had? So. Fair. You know? Unfortunately for her, Harry was ready and he casts Protego, the shield charm, and blocks her spell. He does end up kind of losing a bit of his grip on the prophecy, but only up to his fingertips and manages to hold on to it. Yeah. So it didn't work. 
And this is when she makes the comment in the book about itty bitty baby Potter knowing how to play. Mm-hmm. So the sentiment was very much there. Yeah. In the movie, she was more mocking him with it. But in the book, she was almost just being like, oh, I actually do have to take you kind of seriously. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, still like mocking. Yeah. A oh, little no, bit. Definitely the mocking was still there. I don't think she can talk without mocking. Yeah. I just mean in the movie, it was 100% mock. Whereas in the book, it was it was like, I mean, it was a good 56% mock. Oh, yeah. Something like that. And then whatever the other part of that is, because math for like actually being serious. 44. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I know. I know. You're not supposed to have to do math in this podcast. No, I don't do math. That's why I did it for you. <laughs> well, thanks. Anywho, she really is about to make a more serious attack on him to try and get this prophecy but douche is just like no Mm -hmm. we can't fuck up this prophecy like whatever you do to him could go wrong and hurt the prophecy and we need the fucking prophecy right you went to azkaban for voldy i stayed out he's already not super happy with me but has forgiven me i gotta get this right yeah i have zero wiggle room here lady yeah And Mike actually left me a little note wondering why Malfoy was the one leading the group for this exact reason. Because he would think that Bellatrix, who went to the ban for Voldy, would be more in favor. But I think that Voldemort also, A, knows how just fucking crazy she is. Yeah. And B, he's probably a little bit misogynistic. Probably, but also, I kind of think that he needed someone who had a history with Harry... And who had a way of sweet-talking others. Oh, I would agree with that. For the simple fact that he needed that prophecy delivered in one piece. And as Dumbledore says, Bellatrix likes to play with her food before she eats it. Exactly. And all the other Death Eaters, Harry has no rapport with them at all, whether good or bad. He knows who Lucius is. Yeah. Lucius gives him pause, at least somewhat. Any other Death Eater, he may have just been like, no, fuck you, Smash. (laughs) Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck out of here. You think, I don't know you. I don't know who the fuck you are. I don't care who the fuck you are. I'm going to smash this. Deuces. That would have been it. But Lucius had a chance. Yeah, he did. Not enough of one, but we'll get there. No, of course not. However, I think out of all the Death Eaters, Lucius had the best chance to get it. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree with you there. He's seen the way that Lucius has charmed everybody else around him. It's adorable that he thinks Lucius is going to be able to charm Harry, but... Right. I guess he had (laughs) to let him try. Yeah. Unfortunately, what this ends up doing is the opposite of charming, and it really just alerts Harry. So you know this had to be pretty obvious if Harry picked up on it. (laughs) It just alerts Harry that... The murder munchers need that prophecy. Like, that is their goal here. That is what they are there for. And now he's just like, oh, I have some leverage. Yeah. He also doesn't know what this prophecy is. He doesn't give a damn about it. He's, like, completely willing to give it to him because he just wants to get out of there alive. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want his friends to pay for his own stupidity. That is true. He's feeling a little bit timid right now, I think. Yeah, so having Bellatrix there, I think, escalated it in a way that it shouldn't have been. Yeah. Yeah, because now at this point, she takes her hood off, and she's still kind of gaunt and skull-like from all of the time she spent in the band, Mm -hmm. but 
she has this like feverish, fanatical glow about her. So her desire for what's happening right now is like giving her life. And that's just fucking crazy. Well, it is Bellatrix. And I think that it is what really pushed Harry into doing his more heroic thing. Mm -hmm. Because her next plan is let's persuade him a little bit better. And she tells one of the other murder munchers to grab the smallest one, which we learn is Ginny. Yeah. To torture her in front of Harry so that he'll give him the prophecy. And of course, all of the kids just immediately surround Ginny. Harry steps directly in front of her. And this is when he's just like, yeah, if you're going to hurt any of us. I'm going to smash this prophecy. Right. Like, you got to go through me and the prophecy if you want to hurt us. I am not even going to think twice about smashing this shit. And the movie jumped straight to him saying that. Mm-hmm. Whereas the book, he got led to it. Yeah. Because he didn't know what it was. But he realized that it's importance and was using that as leverage now. Mm-hmm. They just made movie Harry, I guess, a little bit smarter. Just a little bit. In this moment. Just a little bit at this exact point in time, and that was it. Yeah. And at this exact point in time, he has absolutely no idea how they're going to get out of this, so he just starts trying to stall to buy them time to figure that out. And the only thing he can think to do is keep them talking. So he's just like, so, tell me about this prophecy. Mm-hmm. Why you want it so bad? So, how's things? How's eating death going? Is it right? fun? How's munching that murder? Mm-hmm. Tasty? Working out well for you? Been on a diet for a while, I see. You're looking a little fun. Okay, this is a all look. All right, all right. Not here to judge. <laughs> yeah. Bellatrix is actually quite shocked by this question. She thinks that he's joking. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they are all under the impression that Dumbledore tells him shit. Yeah. <laughs> Those dumb bastards. And Harry's just like, no, I'm not joking. I just want to know why Voldemort wants it so bad. And that causes 12 grown, well, 11 grown men and one grown woman to like hiss in fear. (laughs) Because a kid just said their master's name. Heaven forbid. Mike pointed out that he finds it a pretty solid example of Harry's insane confidence levels that he thinks he and Dumbledore are on the same level. Right. But I don't know if that's what he's doing. I don't think it's a confidence level. I think it's more of a like, I don't know, this is his name. I'm just going to say his name. I think it's just one of those non-Ravenclaw moments of his. Oh, yeah. I totally don't. He doesn't even think about it. Now, the confidence level shows up at the end of the seventh book for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. But in this moment, I think it was more of a, that's what I call him. It's his name. That's what Dumbledore calls him. It's what What do you want me to say, Tom? It's his name. (laughs) I don't know what's going on (laughs) but Bellatrix is just oh you said his name how dare you say his name and Harry's just like oh yeah I've got no problem saying Voldemort okay that was a little bit more of the confidence there (laughs) that's a little bit yeah that was definitely some sassy Harry I'll give him that much but the only reason he had that was because of their reaction so yeah oh yeah no I'll totally say Voldemort he doesn't even actually get the name out at that point though because she starts crazy shrieking at him to shut his mouth and calls him a half-blood. Mm-hmm. And now we've surpassed confidence and gone straight to stupidity again. Because Harry's just like, 
you call me a half-blood, you do know your boss is a half-blood, right? Like, his dad's totally a muggle, or has he been lying to you this whole time? And Hermione's just in the background like, shut the fuck up, <laughs> Harry Ixnay on the half-blood hay. Like, or whatever pig Latin is, my brain's not doing it right now in the moment. Half-blood half hay, but yeah. yeah. thank you. It's... I appreciate that. Hey. I... I'll math for you, you pig Latin for me. <laughs> We're a good team. I don't know how I feel about that exchange, <laughs> but you know what? I don't have to do math, so I'll take it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Most of that is not how it happened in the movie. <laughs> Though we did get a watered down, albeit crazy Bellatrix Lestrange version of her use his name outrage, you know. Yeah. And she's scandalized that Harry would say the Dark Lord's name. And again, in a moment of irony, really, refers to Harry as a filthy half blood. Which, take a look at your boss. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, but we don't get it spelled out in the movie the way Harry just flat out taunts them with it in the book. No. And well, I'm kind of bummed about that. I would have really liked to see that moment. I think it's so funny how the movie really glossed over Voldemort being Half-Blood. Yeah. They glossed over it entirely. They said it in Chamber of Secrets, you know, my filthy muggle father. Sure, I'm struggling to think of another time it's mentioned in the movie, actually, right now. I can't remember I if it's ever brought up again. I don't think it is. They just didn't care. If I'm being completely honest, because, you know, otherwise I would be lying if I didn't say that, I really don't think that they bring it up any other time in the movies. Yeah, they really downplayed how hypocritical that was Yeah, of him. And if you didn't remember it from the second movie, that was it. That was your chance. Now I'm so much more bothered. <laughs> I was going to say that I can almost forgive not getting this moment because we got, I'm sorry, Professor, I must not tell lies. But now that you've pointed that no. out, I'm feeling differently about it. No, I'm definitely not forgiving this moment. Huh. I'm sorry, Professor, I must not tell lies is good. But fuck that. This took out an entire plot point. That showed just how fucking twisted Boldy was. And charismatic that he was able to get followers, pure blood followers. Uh-huh. To follow him, a half-blood. And nobody knew. Except for apparently Harry. Definitely Dumbledore, yeah. but nobody knew. Despite the fact that young Tom Riddle was more than willing to tell Harry. Yeah. Does it get mentioned again in the sixth book since we, in movies, since we kind of visit his history a bit? We know he's in the Muggle Orphanage, but... No, because we never go into his parents. Huh. They never talk about the Gaunts at all in the movies. Disappointing. They're never brought up. Disappointing. That's not how it happened in the book. Speaking of the book, Bellatrix is so infuriated that Harry is this sassy and using the Dark Lord's name, that her go-to is stupefy, which Mike thinks was actually a little bit of an underreaction. But I guess she at least knows that she has to semi-protect the prophecy or something. I don't know. It does seem like a little bit of an underreaction. You said the Dark Lord's mm -hmm. name stupefy, because either way, if he is stunned, he could fall and drop the prophecy and it could break. Like, any yeah. kind of attack is not okay. So why not just go yeah. for something a little bit more lethal? Because you're pissed and you're crazy. But but whatever. <laughs> but regardless of what she tries to do, it's blocked by Duchess. 
And he just kind of sends it flying into one of the shelves and it ends up breaking a couple of the other prophecy mm-hmm. orbs. And when they break, then they start talking. They don't just like start talking randomly because somebody picked it up. Yeah. The way that movie showed it. So these two orbs hit the ground and these two like ghostly smoke figures come up from them and they start talking, but they're like competing with one another. So with the two talking at the same time and Ducious and Bellatrix nonsense arguing and whatnot's going on, he can't even really figure out what they're saying. Yeah. But Ducious is just like yelling at Bellatrix, don't attack him, we need that prophecy. And Bellatrix is just shrieking incoherently about filthy half-bloods. Because that's what she does. That's, yeah, it's kind of her MO. And then the two little ghostly figures just kind of disappear into nothing. And Harry has no idea what happened there. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that was weird. <laughs> is that what I'm holding in my hand? Like, what's going on? I'm very confused right now. Right. But still trying to play for time, he again asks for more details about this prophecy. And he's like stepping sideways, which he can really only get away with because in the books they wear robes. Yeah. They did not put them in robes in the movie, so that probably explains why they didn't include this. But he's, like, sneaking his foot to the side till he can find someone else's foot to step on. (laughs) Manages to find Hermione's. And she kind of gasps, but then, like, composes herself and plays it off and just goes, what? The fuck you want? Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, at this point, Ducious tells him that the orb can tell him the reason he has his scar. And Harry's just like... Metal powers alert. Wait, what? And Hermione's just over there like, you stepped on my foot. What? (laughs) On the plus side, Ducious is super delighted that Harry seems to have no idea what he's talking about and starts kind of laughing about it. And the other murder munchers are laughing. And this gives Harry enough of a distraction for them Mm -hmm. that he can just whisper to Hermione, trying to not move his lips as much as possible. Smash shelves. Smash shelves. Which was our trivia question. It was. Ducious does not notice a thing. Just keeps on keeping on with his taunting of Harry. Sure, like you do. And like I said, they're all under the impression that Dumbledore tells Harry shit because he's just like, what, Dumbledore never told you? Like, that could be the caption for the entire series. Right? (laughs) That explains why the Dark Lord was wondering why you didn't come to the Department of Mysteries sooner. He figured you would have shown up the moment he showed you the department in your dreams. So that's an interesting little tidbit that I actually never picked up until this read-through of, like, trying to get prepped for this episode. Mm -hmm. I never realized that Voldemort was deliberately showing Harry those dreams. I kind of always thought that he was, but yeah, I... I always was thinking that it was just Harry, like, accidentally wandering into Voldemort's mind. Yeah. I could see both ways. Because he couldn't really control it while he was sleeping. So it's really interesting to, like, oh, no, like, he was deliberately, like, I know you like to meddle, come look at the Department (laughs) of Mysteries, woo! I've got this pretty shiny object for you to look at. If that prophecy was gold, he had him immediately. Right? That's where we went wrong. That's what was wrong. prophecy wasn't gold. Yep. Shit. Niffler Harry was not activated. No, only Meddler Harry. 
Yes. He needed Niffler Meddler Harry to get mm-hmm. him there immediately. Yep, that's on him. So that's why he kept seeing the doorknob, because the doorknob was shiny. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that'll do it. do it. Well, fuck. But like I was saying, Duchess is surprised, kind of laughing about it, creates enough of a distraction that Harry can again whisper to Hermione to be like, when I say now, we're going to smash the shelves. Except I'm sure it's a, when I say now, smash shelves. (laughs) Because he's trying Smash to not move his mouth or be heard shells. by any of the murder munchers. Right. And then you've still got Duchess just standing there like, the Dark Lord really thought that you would have wanted to hear the exact wording of the prophecy. And he's just basically doing the like villain monologue, completely oblivious to the fact that Harry is formulating a plan during all of this. So it's pretty epic, I think. <laughs> yeah. Hermione then begins passing Harry's instruction along to the rest of their group. So he just keeps on distracting Duchess, wanting to know why Voldemort wanted him to come get the prophecy. Mm-hmm. Do tell. Tell me more, evil villain. Please tell me more. Continue yes. speaking. <laughs> Please continue talking, evil villain. Tell us your plan. And this is just like feeding Duchess everything that he wants because he's just loving seeing how ignorant Potter is and is not picking up on the ploy here. Right. But as we know, Duchess also wasn't a Ravenclaw, so... No, he was not. And he's got a bit of a chip-on-his-shoulder kind of deal where he's probably like, I know more than Harry Potter. Ooh, I've got the inside scoop. Shit, this is pretty bomb. Okay. Yeah, and he does inform him that... Only the people the prophecies are about are actually permitted to retrieve them. Mm-hmm. It must be some sort of like specific magical security thing. And Voldy didn't discover this until he sent other people to steal it for him and they went fucking nuts. Ah, yes. Why he expected Harry to know this when he didn't know it, Right. I don't know, but <laughs> there I it mean- is. Like, Voldy, here's the deal. If you want Harry to know something, you're going to have to put it in his head yourself. He tried. He's just, he was too subtle. He was. It was cute. He was trying to be nuanced and and clever. And Harry it was needs just... the gold neon sign. Yeah. Metal, oh, yeah. metal, metal, metal. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, yeah. There's no whisper instructions from Harry to Hermione in the movie scene, but as Duchess continues to play good cop, he calmly tells the group that prophecies can only be retrieved by those that they are about. So we got a ding. Ding! Right? Exciting. It's excite-ding, if you will. Yeah. Shut up. I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, Ellen. It's the tiny dings that get me through my day, okay? Just... No, that's fair. (laughs) It's the little dings in life, you know? Honestly. It is the little dings. (laughs) Oh my god, episode title. (laughs) The little dings. The little dings in life. But anyway. But yeah, this doesn't entirely explain why Voldemort wouldn't just come and get it himself. I mean, he sent his damn snake, which... Come to think of it, because Nagini has part of Voldemort's soul in her... Theoretically, would Nagini have been able to collect the prophecy? Huh. Like, maybe that's why she was sent to attack Mr. Weasley. But still, why wouldn't he just do it? Like, seriously, what a little bitch. 
Yeah, I think he sent her to be more of a lookout, like scout the area, and then she happened upon Mr. Weasley, so the attack was an attack of opportunity. Yeah, but theoretically, I mean, if she could... But could she have picked it up? Had she gotten through all of those doors and all the spinning room and all that whole shit, like, could she have picked it up? I mean, in the movie, it was just the one door, and she clearly got into the room already, because that's where she attacked Mr. Weasley. That is true, yeah. I feel like this could be our Potter pondering. It's very interesting. But Voldy is just like, oh, I can't do it myself. I got to send other people to do it. Slash create this elaborate ruse to make sure that my enemy can go and get that shit for me. Like, bro, come on, work smarter, not harder. It's kind of one of the basics of being Slytherin. Truthfully, you suck at it. You kind of, you do, you like a lot. But I digress. Because while all of this is going on in my head, more murder munchers are closing in on our gang of heroes. And we can't have that. Yeah. And that's when this kind of starts to match up with the book a little bit better. Because before it was just Ducious and Bellatrix. Mm -hmm. And now we're getting up to the point where the movie is also outnumbering the Golden and Silver trio by two to one as well. Yeah. They're sort of looking to be a little bit fucked at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And in the book, Harry is still doing his distract thing. So he's just like, well, why would Voldemort want to steal a prophecy about me? And Ducious is just like, uh, it's about both of you. Did you not see the label? <laughs> Literally said Dark Lord and Harry Potter. You actually had a question mark by your name. So it was more about him than it was necessarily about you. Right. And then... Falling into the distraction trap completely, he's just like, haven't you ever wondered why Voldemort even targeted you as a baby? And just further proof that Harry is not in Ravenclaw. He looks at him. After basically being told that the prophecy is the reason his parents died and he now has this scar, he's just like, wait a minute. Is this prophecy the reason that my parents died and I now have this scar? Yeah. Like, how spelled out do you need it, Harry? Honestly, like, sweetheart, sweetheart, honey. Or we could give him credit and say he's playing dumb to entertain them and continually distract them. We could give him that credit, sure. Yeah. I don't know if that's what's happening. That is not at all what's happening. (laughs) That is a hill I will die on for sure. (laughs) However, if that makes you feel any better at home, then you guys go ahead and you think that all you want. I'm going to live in reality. (laughs) What? (laughs) Reality's boring. Yeah. (laughs) That is very true. It usually is. So I don't blame you. But in the movie, Ducious puts on his best manipulative voice and asks Harry if he wants to know the truth about all the crazy Voldy shit. Like why there's this weird-ass connection between them. Why he seems to be really shit at killing one kid. And also, what the fuck is up with your boo-boo? Like that little boo-boo on your forehead? What's up with that? What's going on? Don't you want to know, Harry? Don't you? This is pretty dingish. It is a little ding. Just a little ding. I feel like... It's more mysterious than the flat out. Don't you want to know why he targeted you? It's not talking about a connection between them. It's just flat out like, yeah, he heard about this prophecy and went after you in the book. Yeah. 
But he goes on to explain that all of these answers and more are right in the palm of his hand. He just has to give his ball to Lucius. And Lucius will tell him everything. Which, I mean, I totally trust that logic. Sure. Right? Oh, yeah, definitely. That seems legit. Yeah, Ducius absolutely has no reason to lie or try to trick Harry at all. It's not a thing that they do. Or it's the thing that they always do. I mean... I get those confused sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And like I was saying, it is pretty similar to the book. Mm-hmm. Although the book also has Harry continually playing for more time. So he's just like literally repeating this revelation. Somebody made a prophecy about me and Voldemort and Voldemort made me come get it for him. Why what? can't he come get it himself? Like, So he's just like using up time by repeating what he's already heard and then asking more questions that he's hoping he can entice Ducius to answer. Yeah, he's just rephrasing shit. Yeah. Like, so wait a minute. You're telling me that Voldemort, your boss, my mortal enemy, also known as Tom Riddle, who is also, P.S., side note, half-blood, just saying, you're telling me that that guy sent you here and didn't come here himself, but the thing can only be retrieved by who it's about, so why did he do that again? Why me? Why didn't he just come get it? Why more steps? Yeah, and he totally threw out that... He just, like, cast that reel mm-hmm. with that little bit of bait on it. And this time he actually caught Bellatrix with it. Yeah. She just starts cackling like only Bellatrix can cackle. Mm-hmm. And repeats, get it himself? You want him to walk into the ministry and reveal himself when everyone here is just ignoring him like absolute dumbasses and instead chasing after Sirius. You want him to do that. When he could just have you come do it. She makes a valid point. However, it's not like they're doing this in broad daylight. (laughs) There is that, but also it's kind of a dumb plan. It's like over elaborate. That's what I'm saying. It clearly doesn't work out. He ends up showing up himself anyway and fucking it all up, which we're getting to. But also if the Death Eaters could get in there undetected... Don't you think it would have been easier for him to just sneak in? That's what I'm saying, man. Like, the whole thing was just smarter, not harder. Yeah. Work smarter, Way too not elaborate. Harder, Honestly. And the more elaborate he gets, the more shit there is to go wrong. And, and the Harry more shit thrives that does go on wrong. that shit. Because it always goes wrong. Because it's stupid. Yeah. Good doesn't win because they're better than evil. Good wins because evil is stupid. 99.9% of the time. Like I'm also a firm believer it's because they will attack their own. There's that too. No honor amongst thieves, that whole deal. Sure. If there is anybody less Ravenclaw than Harry, it might be Voldemort. It might be. And you know what? The thing that kills me about this is he's so elaborate with his plans. I have to give him credit for his, like, insane Rube Goldberg machine that he's got going on in his head. It's impressive. Is it, though? It's impressive that someone could think of it in their head. I'm not saying its execution is impressive, because its execution (laughs) generally gets fucked up. Not to mention, its execution relies on way too many people who are stupid as fuck as well. Yeah, and as Mike noted... If Voldy wasn't so clever, 
his plans would be far more effective. And when I say clever, that is in quotes. Yeah. If Voldy wasn't so clever. Yeah. He's cunning, but not clever. And those are two very important distinctions to be made. Yes. Especially when it comes to evil plans. Exactly. But Harry is still in distract mode. And Mm -hmm. he's just like, so Voldy's just got you doing his dirty work for him. Like how he tried to get Sturgis to steal it. And in this moment, he also realizes that that must have been what happened to Bode as well. Yeah. And Ducius is just like, exactly. But the Dark Lord knows you're not (laughs) an intelligence. And this is the cue that Harry takes, which I love it, actually. I think this is perfect. He's just like, the Dark Lord knows you're not unintelligent. And Harry's just like, no, because I'm not unintelligent. (laughs) And then him and all of his friends yell reducto at the same time, aiming at the shelves all around them. And shit just starts flying everywhere. Prophecies are getting smashed. Debris is just going all around. Yeah. It's everything's going crazy, man. Yeah. Oh, it is just chaos. And Harry's like, run! (laughs) And he grabs Hermione and drags her forward and, like, protects them with his arm. And they just take off running. Like you do. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly similar, despite the fact that they didn't show Harry sharing his plan in a whisper ahead of time. But luckily, while Harry may not be in Ravenclaw, he's still not stupid. And kind of lays a bomb-ass line on Ducious, pointing out that... He's waited over a decade. What's a little more time? And just shouts, no! So we do have a ding here. Yeah. Sort of. Like, he just yells now, but there was never a plan in place that we saw happen? No, there wasn't at all. I kind of, in my head, want to be like, they were all just waiting for the word now, and then shit was going to go crazy anyway. But then they somehow all shout stupefy. And they all decide to do the same spell, which is not the spell that was from the book. The only thing that I find unbelievable about the fact that they all shouted stupefy is that it wasn't Expelliarmus because they were all taught by Harry. (laughs) I'm really surprised that wasn't all they did in the DA meetings. Right? You perfect Expelliarmus. They spent a lot of time on that. They did. And he did get mocked for that as well, too. Right. But at the same time, that may have just been their first instinct yeah i mean they had been standing there for like a second or two at least if not more with lucius and bellatrix doing their bullshit here's what gets me i think the reason why they didn't do reducto is because they give that to Ginny later yeah because they already showed us that that was like her spell even though that's not how it was in the book right and she does get that moment later where she uses it and it's like a Mm -hmm. callback but but at the same time yeah i see what you're saying I don't know. It is what it is. Anyway, this is where we're cutting off the book chapter and movie section because it does line up pretty well. You got Harry yelling now. They do spells of some sort and then they take off running. They just It's also the bam. longest chapter of the book coming in at a strong 27 pages in the copy that I have. And it's definitely one of the longer movie sections. It's nearly 10 minutes long. So we ended up deciding that this one's going to have to be a three-parter because Ellen doesn't want to go insane editing these episodes being well over an hour. Y'all, we got our first three-part episode. It's kind of exciting. It is kind of exciting. Kind of exciting. So here's part one. Yeah, so we've got part one out of the way. And since this is the most Bellatrix has done in the movie, aside from laughing maniacally, 
we can also take this opportunity to talk about Helena Bonham Carter. And we did a little bit because she's phenomenal. We did. She's beautifully insane. She is a (laughs) prime example of the crazy hot scale. Yes. Yes. The Luis Mendoza scale. And then on top of that, so fucking talented. She can do everything. She can do anything. Mm -hmm. She's a real chameleon. And I literally could not imagine anybody else playing Bellatrix. I'm trying to think about it now. I mean, it was originally supposed to be Helen McRory. Yeah, I had heard that. Draco Malfoy's mom. Yeah, Uh, and uh, the scheduling made that impossible. So they had to recast and then they brought her back to be Narcissa, which I thought she was great as Narcissa too. I really wish that she had actually been blonde. Instead of the weird, like, dual-toned hair. Yeah, Yeah, like, get her a wig. It's not that big of a deal. It was just weird. But anyway, that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about Helena Bonham Carter. Helena Bonham Carter rocked it. Every scene that she was Bellatrix, she was just stealing it, I think. I love also hearing all of the stories about all of the other cast members that had crushes on her. (laughs) Right? Because if you know, you know. There was also a story about how she kept her wand and she would use it to intimidate her kids' friends when they would come over. Oh my god, why wouldn't you? For like playdates and stuff? Yeah. Absolutely, they knew you have to. Bellatrix. Mm, right? That's what oh I would god, do. Oh god, she'd be fucking awesome to have as a mom, too. <laughs> right? Or a best friend, or a lover. I don't know, you just... I wish I knew her. She's cool. I want to be besties. She's awesome. Definitely. She's just so great. Mm-hmm. But other than For that, sure. we've kind of talked about everyone else a little bit more. Lucius hasn't done a ton yet. So we'll just mention any of the other murder munchers and Lucius. Ducious, I should say. Ducious In the metaphor. following scenes, if they do something that stands out. Mm-hmm. But that wraps up the compare and contrast part of this. So we can move on to our Potter pondering. Yep, sounds good. This week it is... Do you think Nagini could have picked up the prophecy for Voldemort since she has part of his soul inside of her? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. Don't forget, you can still send your Sorting Hat story into for podcast at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media. This week's trivia question is, which Death Eater does Hermione hit with Silencio before he can finish yelling out Harry's location? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag instant mime will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com to let us know you did and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at foxsakepod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at forfoxsakepodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. 
If you would like to support us as a patron, you can sign up on patreon.com slash foxsakepod. $2 and up a month will get you some awesome perks like For Fox Sake swag, access to patron-only Facebook groups, chats, our Discord channel, virtual hangouts, and more. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated, even if it's just telling your Harry Potter friends about us. And if you don't have any Harry Potter friends, there's another reason to join our Patreon because you will meet some of the best Harry Potter people ever. I mean, just the best people ever, really. There's that too. Period. End of sentence. And join us next week when we talk about the second part of Chapter 35, Beyond the Veil, and the somewhat but not really corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. And in the meantime... Keep calm and hairy on! Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, for fuck's sake.